0: No, I'm buying I make the rules. I actually do want you to fight over me. I want to be wined and dined sixty nine. Oh Metaphorically sixty nine. Ooh, perverts.
1: Alright, uh, we are recording
0: for Buffy. Alright, hello and welcome back to The Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong. The new and improved Contrarians here recording with some new audio equipment. We got a new uh, laptop from Julio, some new digs. Sounding pretty good.
1: I agree. <laughs> Sorry, I was, I'm still... This new setup has me a little disoriented. but uh, Or it could be just the awesomeness of the movie you just watched. I was about to say...
0: Uh Christy Swanson's beauty must have you disoriented and delirious like it does me
1: well the time travel aspect to back to to the early nineties i it's like like you know can you imagine like going back in time and and seeing like Jesus in person <laughs> you know like here it's it's almost Is that uh, luke John perry Sutherland? no Luke Perry oh, okay. who has been forgotten by time, back in the day he was the second coming of
0: and like to uh, my knowledge, this was like his only notable movie
1: uh no
0: which what am i forgetting the fifth element holy shit i always forget that he's in the fifth element he opens
1: the fifth element it's true i i want to say this movie is the one that eventually got him the fifth element
0: (laughs) uh as one of the movie posters i showed julio for this film only had luke perry build on it uh it was obvious that he was the the get the cash cow as it were
1: they knew what they had
0: 90210 mania uh bearing the lead here we are here today to uh visit buffy the vampire slayer from 1992
1: <laughs> the luke perry vehicle the luke perry vehicle <laughs> buffy the vampire slayer
0: the christy swanson vehicle um directed by fran i, I do apologize we're gonna mispronounce this name but uh fran rubel uh, uh kuzui uh, and again apologies reason we're not too familiar with her is she's only done one of the movie. That was called Tokyo Pop, and that was before Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, anyone that knows anything about Buffy knows the writer, Joss Whedon. Um, 1992 was a tumultuous time in the film industry. Uh, Julio, you have watched the show. I have not, which obviously creates a world of confusion between, I think...
1: There's the a chasm us, between... Our uh, knowledge. Not just that, but I think the experience of watching the movie, it just... Hey,
0: any way you slice it, it's still a film that features two Oscar winners.
1: Yes, I, I think we say two really hot people, which is also oh true. yeah.
0: I mean that, that's true as well.
1: Buffy TV show or no Buffy TV show? Luke Perry and Christy Swanson look great. Yes,
0: <laughs> I think we can all agree on that. Uh, but standing at what is it we're working with here? I believe a thirty-three percent on Rotten Tomatoes.
1: I think so. Yeah. Let me see. Low thirties. I know that much. Like uh, Luke Perry's age in this movie.
0: Hey Uh thirty three percent on Rotten Tomato. Not uh nowhere near as well received or beheld as the television show. Uh but with it being that low, does mean there's people out there that thirty three percent that still enjoyed it.
1: Yes. But we're gonna start with the people that hated it.
0: Man, I haven't <laughs> fucked that up in a while.
1: <laughs> oh it's, it's you're still reeling from the end of the summer of Travolta. You just all messed up. Oh, yeah. Uh well, still gobsmacked. Let, let's start with the haters. Let's uh, do. That 67%. Uh time out. No no critic named uh says unfocused stuff pitched at undemanding teenagers. Uh Peter Travers from Rolling Stone says as a friend tells Buffy while she eyes a fashion purchase, it's so 5 minutes ago. Damn. 5 minutes and 30 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jade Bodowski from Decider says, Buffy the Vampire Slayer evidently exists to show us what a rough, rough draft looks like.
0: Man, that's definitely one of those that I'm sure Just <laughs> Weed pulled his hair out
1: reading. <laughs> just clenched his teeth. Uh, Mary Andrew Hansen from Flick Philosopher says, Greece in the 80s with vampires. Ugh. I mean, I guess at some point Luke Perry has a leather jacket. But still, it's the 90s. <laughs> Don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> uh, Alex Sandal from Juicy Cerebellum says, My favorite TV show is Buffy. I still can't believe it came from this horrible movie. <laughs> Judge it on its own. Yes. Uh, and finally, Film 4, no critic attributed, says, Quite why Perry, as romantic interest, is still trying to convince people he is of high school age, remains a mystery. <laughs> <laughs> Listen,
0: it, he, he wasn't even 30. and he, he looks well off
1: it's called movie magic slash suspension of disbelief he makes
0: sunny look like a junior high student
1: if you can believe that they're vampires you can believe that luke perry is a teenager
0: that is like the built-in like excuse (laughs) or um defense right there and it's absolutely correct um
1: so in contrarian's corner yes because this real talk will be very special but in contrarian's corner (laughs) if this
0: is your first time listening uh yeah, Contrarians Corner is where we uh, argue against the consensus on Rotten Tomatoes. So, for the example of Buffy, being that it is a rotten movie, we make a case for what might be fresh about it.
1: We gotta, we gotta make it sound super
0: fresh. And then in the second half of the podcast, real talk, we will divulge our true feelings towards it, which it already sounds to be or seems to be that it's going to be a a, but, a butting of the heads. You never know, Alex. I think I do.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You were watching the movie right next to me.
0: Based on your audible cues throughout the film. Uh, So, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Our lead character here is Buffy Summers. However, I don't believe they address her last name at all in this movie.
1: Um, You're right. I don't think they do. No, I think that's just together in a later life. We get Pike's last name. I don't remember what it is, but he introduces himself by full name. His last name's Pike. No, 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 no. He's Pike something.
0: Oh, I have the, the... Fucking IMDb right in front of me. It's Oliver Pike.
1: No. He says I'm Pike something. It says Pike.
0: Oliver Pike. Is that what he says? I don't fucking shake nuts nutstered. uh so anyway, Buffy Summers is a high school student at Hemery High School in Los Angeles, because of course it takes place in LA. Julio had the incredible uh and poignant line of saying this is share from Clueless because Buffy is portrayed here as a uh, wide-eyed, blonde cheerleader with a jock boyfriend, uh, rich parents that don't really pay attention to anything she does. And she is just too cool for school in more ways than one, uh, quite literally, later on in the film.
1: Uh, the difference is that uh, Sharon Clueless, she really doesn't have much going on. I mean, she has Paul Rudd. You know, that's, that's that's a lot. I mean, okay, I guess someday we'll do clueless and we'll talk about the the, the whiff of incest that goes on in that movie. But
0: step, my understanding is they're step siblings, right?
1: Yes, but it's that's what I said a whiff. I oh. didn't say like full on R rated incest. Okay. Uh but he she was still kind of his sister, dude. I, That's just, wrong. <laughs> I,
0: again, like I said in the beginning, I've never seen it all the way through, so I'm just picking up on my yeah. my pieces here.
1: But but I mean, Christy Swanson has to deal with a lot more here. Yes, she is. She's popular. She's a cheerleader, and she's a senior. She's getting ready to graduate, and she has a, well, she has a boyfriend, mm-hmm. and she has a stalker in the form of Donald Sutherland.
0: Yes, who man, Donald Sutherland. <laughs> do you think he's creepy just normally?
1: <laughs> this is. <laughs>
0: This has turned up to 11. Uh, I'd, be, I'd be remiss if we didn't mention before we deep uh, dive into this one that Stephen Root plays the principal of the high school, and he's just absolutely fantastic in this. And our first Academy Award winner sighting is Hilary Swank, who plays one of, you know. She's probably the worst. She's like Gretchen Wieners here to <laughs> Buffy's <laughs> Regina George. She, she is the worst. Um, but this was her first movie I read. She was very young.
1: Stephen Root is very young. What? <laughs> Compared to Stephen Root now. I, I guess mean, the only
0: person in it that's not really young is Luke, <laughs> Luke Perry.
1: Perry.
0: <laughs> uh, we're introduced to Pike very quick. Him and his buddy uh, Benny, played by uh, Contrarian's favorite and former world heavyweight champion David Arquette. Uh, would you call this a meet-cute or more of like a... I mean, it, like I guess the it's... Simpsons it's, where Lisa meets Hugh and they can't stand each other right off the bat, but then they grow to admire one another.
1: It's... Uh, it's just Whedon, and Joss Whedon is known for just turning the tropes on their head. So, I mean, that's the, the whole point of this entire movie, is you take the victim of most horror movies and make her the hero, mm-hmm. right? And so, therefore, the meet-cute is not a meet-cute. The meet-cute is just like two people just being really annoying to each other and showing yeah. no interest whatsoever in each other.
0: And David Arquette here playing the perennial David Arquette role of um, loud, quasi-obnoxious albeit lovable doofus.
1: Yes. He he is a... Uh, obviously, he stands in the shadow of Luke Perry in this movie, but... And what a shadow is cast. <laughs> it's, 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 it's heavy. I mean, it's one of the reasons that the vampires are just so popular in this town is because Luke Perry's shadow protects them from the sun that would kill them.
0: Speaking of vampires, so we start off the literal start of the film is...
1: A home video from medieval times,
0: from yeah the eighteen hundreds or something. We come to find out that Buffy has this reoccurring dream. I mean, I dream of Rudger Howard quite often as well, but she has this reoccurring dream of trying to fight him. She's not strong enough,
1: right? Yeah, but okay. But the the period piece that opens is Sutherland, right? Or did I get that wrong? Because I thought it was Tim Curry, and then you corrected me.
0: (laughs) No, I said that's Rudger Howard. Oh,
1: it is Rudger Howard. Okay, well. They're wearing a wig. Whoever it is. It
0: might be Donald Sutherland. No, it is Donald Sutherland in the beginning. Okay. Whatever the case, it's basically... It's a, hot. Yeah. <laughs> it's a exposition of what's to come. And she begins having this recurring dream where she has brown hair and has a, a mole, which is the mark of the covenant, or the coven, as Sutherland puts it. Essentially, Donald Sutherland just starts stalking Christy Swanson. He's, this may have been part of the movie initially. It may have been not. And they just kind of started going with it. They're like, yeah, he's already here. So let's make something. He
1: shows up looking like no one else. He's wearing a hat and, a, and an overcoat, gloves.
0: He looks like he came from the 1800s.
1: Yes. He also looks like a pedophile. And it's he's in the high school. There's this scene where it's just Christy Swanson is practicing her moves. At, like
0: gymnastics at, and cheerleading.
1: Right. And he just creeps in. Well,
0: this like there's a sh- like a wide shot of him just watching her for a little bit before he says anything. <laughs> Biting his
1: lower lip, he he is it from
0: it follows.
1: <laughs> uh, but I mean, kudos to Sutherland because obviously Merrick Merrick he it's not the most uh, colorful role here, so I think that he just leaned into that. Right, because it's like he could either try to compete with Luke Perry, Chris Swanson and the looks department or try to compete with the vampires who are led by, you know, uh Pee Wee Herman and Ruger Hauer, mm-hmm. who are, like, really quirky. So he's not going to beat that. So instead he's like, how do I stand out and in this And he can't movie? go for,
0: like, the emotional powerhouse performance because we already got Hillary Swank doing
1: that. Right. And he can't be the the comic relief because you have uh, the champion. <laughs> David Arquette. David Arquette. So so he just kind of had to, like, go internal mm-hmm. and and just become this sort of, like—
0: he made it all his own. You may you may say he's in a different movie than everyone else, but right. I think that's by design.
1: Right. down to the costuming. Every time he's he's in in, in the scene, you're like, "What's going on with Donald <laughs> Sutherland?" <laughs> uh is, is
0: is he a time traveler? Is he there to he's there to tell her that she's the chosen? He's Morpheus. He's white Morpheus.
1: He is. And I mean, he's he's either a time traveler or just the latest immortal. in the line of Yeah, I think so because you know, you see him in the in the yeah olden times yes. at the beginning of the movie. So
0: in his demise would indicate that he's potentially a vampire. So maybe he has been around for hundreds of years. Dude,
1: that is the most interesting thing <laughs> about this movie now—the potential that maybe Doris Sutherland was a vampire.
0: Well, his son was in the Lost Boys, so it would only make sense for. It's him all being. part
1: of the same universe.
0: I mean, th- <laughs> Jesus, this is the Lost Boys. If Jason Patrick and Kiefer Sutherland were hot.
1: <laughs> share a kiss and a dance at the
0: yeah, end exactly and they ride off together on a motorcycle as the credits play I,
1: I can see that happening that last part at least
0: so the big band of vampires uh rudger Hauer is like this looming presence but we when we see our first clip of these vampires it gives the um impression that Wee herman paul R- rubens Yes. I've always just known him as Pee Wee. Paul Rubens is the leader of the vampires. And this was after Crankgate, where he was arrested for public indecency. And so this was his. So
1: so the the American audiences were ready to buy him as a villain. Exactly.
0: And it makes sense that he's a greasy haired, slummy, scummy type of uh, bloodsucker, if you will. He just goes for it here. I think he embraced the role of the villain.
1: But he is you see no trace of Pee-wee in this performance. No. So I mean that is and him proving props to that... the
0: director and the um filmmakers on this for you know, it would just be natural instinct to try to get one like <laughs> or some shit like that. But they, they
1: No, the the amount of restraint they show by just not even giving Paul Rubens an inch to be funny. They're <laughs> like, You're gonna play this straight, damn it. Yes. Uh because that way, when you're funny at the very end, it's really going to hit us hard. Uh, <laughs> uh,
0: Amelin is his vampire name later on in the film. What's his last name? I, I don't have that. Pike? Pike. I was about to say Pike <laughs> gives him the uh, the nickname of Lefty later on in the film.
1: Uh, therefore, tying in with Donnie Brasco. <laughs>
0: <laughs> They're all part of the same universe. Rubens is
1: just a spoke in a wheel. <laughs>
0: Sutherland Merrick is there to let Buffy know that she's the chosen one. And for 17, 18-year-old girl, she accepts it pretty quickly. I mean, uh, I mean, out of anything in this movie, the thing that dates it the most, it's not the clothing. It's not no cell phones. It's not Luke Perry. It's uh, her denial of this claim, stating that she doesn't want to fight vampires. All she wants to do is graduate, go to Europe, and marry Christian Slater. <laughs>
1: That's the part that that's really, what dates this movie. The Christian Slater thing. I mean, that's a very specific window in American history. Oh, I mean, Christian
0: Slater has had a lot of good performances here and there, but but teenage heartthrob Christian Slater. I think this movie was made in the six-minute window <laughs> that that was a thing.
1: That was like what true romance, Christian Slater. That so, was like peak. Yeah, I want to marry Christian Slater.
0: And then he made very bad things six years later, and just destroyed anyone wanting to view him as a
1: sexual object at all. Um, I I like that I like that Buffy is a ditz. I think mm-hmm. that something that the movie does again, going about just turning conventions on their head, it would be easy for Whedon and the director whose name we can't pronounce, uh, Fran Fran, is her first name. So okay. we'll just we're just gonna Fran. get personal. Yeah. We just watched her movie, so Fran. Hey, Franny. Uh It would be easy for for Joss and Fran to to just sell us the idea that okay, well, the pretty cheerleader is gonna be is not gonna be a victim, it's gonna be a hero if they gave us a strong willed cheerleader, right? Yeah. If if Buffy was just this really smart, really independent girl, then it'd be really easy to buy. It'd be just it, it was it would be she obvious. She was
0: Salt from the movie SALT.
1: Exactly. But blonde. Yes. In
0: I think she's blonde in some of that movie.
1: Really? I never watched it. Oh it's so bad. Uh, Sabretooth is a bad guy, right?
0: Oh Lee Schreiber? Yeah. yeah. There's a part where someone goes Sir, protocol's protocol and he goes Salt salt. <laughs> but goes, Yeah, and did and then shoots him in the head, is dead. Oh it's brilliant. It's, it's
1: Was that Joss Whedon. Chef's uh, kiss. Yes.
0: <laughs> uh, but yeah, to your point she is a ditch. She had like uh the great comedic line of Sutherland saying, I'm here to give you your birthright and she's like, What is that, like a trust fund?
1: And she carries she 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 goes with that uh with that trust fund joke for several minutes. <laughs> She knew that she, she had gold there. She,
0: it was Dane Cook just repeating the same word over and over again. Just and don't let it go. Yeah. Uh
1: the yeah, that's so that makes it a lot more interesting because one, it gives her an arc. You know, you're really you're wondering, okay, how the hell is this airhead makes it relatable going to save the world? And it's like and then, you know, going back to just a theme and many movies that we like, it's just okay, if this person can do it, then I can do it. Right? Uh but it also, it just sends a nice message, I think. You may not be the smartest person in the world, and you could still be the chosen one. Yeah. How many movies just go with the chosen one being, like, the guy that's already perfect for everything, right? Yeah. Like, Keanu Reeves in The Matrix, he already had it made. Yeah. It's like, he didn't need to be the chosen one. Give that title to somebody who could use a morale boost.
0: Jason Statham in The Transporter. Of course it's going to be him. He's
1: Jason Statham. He doesn't need to be anything else.
0: So, like, flies to light uh, with Buffy being basically this beacon that summons the attention of the vampire underworld. Uh, These vampires are swarming this little youth-based town in California, picking people off one by one, of course, led by uh, Paul Rubens, and they're recruiting high schoolers, pretty much. After a night of drinking, uh, Benny and Pike go out, and Pike... I guess passes out on the road, and David Arquette's not so lucky. He gets bitten by uh, P.B. Herman.
1: He's our first major casualty, uh, you know, because a couple of like random high schoolers have fallen prey to vampires mm-hmm. by now, but but he's the first one that hurts.
0: Uh, Sasha Jensen, who will be on our Halloween Five episode, and if we ever do Dazed and Confused, he's in there too. He's the first. We can just, for the purposes of this, call him Eyebrows. Uh, He gets picked off pretty early. But, yeah, David Arquette gets bit. The upside of that is we get to see David Arquette flying, which...
1: Will never happen
0: again. Which we haven't had enough of in American cinema.
1: He's not not flying. He's uh, falling with style.
0: (laughs) There you go. But as you would expect, it takes a while for anyone to realize that anything really is going on in terms of all these fucking vampires moving. That The last line of The Lost Boys, one thing I couldn't stand about living in California, all the goddamn vampires. I guess it's just a way of life there, and... Uh, the only person that really seems to see that something's out of the ordinary is our sage of the film, Luke Perry. The
1: only adult in the movie. Quite literally. The only I guy mean, that didn't have like a learner's permit. This movie is your
0: parents going away for the weekend and having a good time. Literally, Buffy's parents leave at the beginning of the film. and uh, I know it's definitely more than a weekend, but we don't really see them again in the movie.
1: They check in. They had a timeshare somewhere and <laughs> they didn't want to waste it, so...
0: As if you couldn't get a, a nostalgia or nineties or just fun overload, we get a goddamn training montage featuring Christy Swanson and Donald Sutherland like teaching her how to do shit.
1: So so his his approach to teaching is you know, after that lengthy conversation they had at the gym or mm-hmm. whatever, he finally convinces her to go meet him at the graveyard. Yes. And that's after throwing a knife at
0: her face and she blocks it like piano right. style.
1: She's, he's like, you can do this, and then at the Actually, graveyard. No, I'm sorry,
0: Keanu blocked it Buffy style.
1: <laughs> Correct. <Yes. laughs> well, you don't know what Keanu was doing in the '90s. He could have been doing it, just nobody recorded it. Uh, but they fight at this graveyard, and she she shows that she could she can do this, and also she believes now in vampires, mm-hmm. right? And then they train because she sees that the threat is real. Uh, that is, I mean, kudos to Sutherland for. Just being so convincing, you know. I like, he looks like a, a like a creep already. He manages to sneak into the the high school. Nobody notices. Nobody raises like an alarm. It's and then
0: definitely pre Columbine.
1: He he talks this teenage girl into meeting him in the middle of the night at a graveyard. You know, it's like that dude. Anybody else would have got himself killed with that. You know, it's like she would have gone with like the Old guy Donnie, to, man he's to a catch a predator. Silver tongued villain. But but he gets it done. And then he convinces her to do a, a trading montage. Again, which...
0: though, it makes sense because g- of her naivety and right, she's... lack of
1: self-awareness. She Well, he, he tells her about the mole, right? He mentions the mole, and she's like, oh, how could anybody know that? I guess you must be telling the truth.
0: Well, then he reads her mind and starts talking about the dream, about Othos. We've just been calling him Rudger Howard the entire It's Othos. He's the, the leader of the demon underworld.
1: Dude, what a cast, really, as far as villains. You have Pee Wee Herman, who had... You know, he had this this backstory in real life that just helped him play kind of like a creepy he, he villain. He was literally raising,
0: uh, rising from the dead.
1: <laughs> yes. And, uh, and then you have Ruger Hauer. You have like a vampire replicant. Mm-hmm. This is just iconic. You know, I don't know if, if you consider Ruger Hauer a villain in Blade Runner. A lot of people don't. But either way you slice it, he is an iconic person. Uh, in, in sci-fi slash fantasy. So for him to be here, the, the big boss, yeah, it's just so easy for him to just come in and be commanding. Oh, yeah. Even though he's dressed in, like, silly clothing and has this... Really goofy facial expressions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like a facial hair that's not... Facial hair that's not quite there. Mm-hmm. It's like Luke Perry has more facial hair than he does.
0: Oh, the iconic soul patch. Yes, he does. Which is... Um... That's like a big character moment later in the movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. Which uh, we'll get to. Uh, But we go through this montage with Buffy uh, walking through tires and doing rolls and throwing spears or um, stakes, excuse me. What else does she do? Oh, she throws some really shitty punches, but she has this left head kick down really well, this left leg head kick.
1: Once again, making someone uh, relatable, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. it's very hard to be good at everything. So she's a shitty puncher, good kicker.
0: But that's what's perfect about it, because in all the action sequences, she just primarily relies on her kicks anyway. She learned. She
1: knows what her weaknesses are and what her strengths are.
0: Sutherland just said, put them fists away. It's all about those feet. Uh, But she's changing, and her friends are starting to take uh, note of this. She's missed her cheerleading practices. I think she said she missed one of the basketball games. She has to go back. She can't miss another one. And this is one where Sasha Jansen makes his uh, return. As a vampire playing basketball And two, we get a cameo by our second Academy Award winner in this film uh, Academy Award winning director Ben Affleck
1: Amazing, the director and screenwriter but, That's right But back back then, here in the early 90s
0: he, He's getting up there in that rarefied air of like If there was a contrarian's punch card He'd be getting pretty close to that free <laughs> sub, i tell you what
1: Free movie, Ben, you tell us which movie of yours you want us to do And we will
0: but does he even have a line?
1: Yeah, he's like, "You can have the ball, man," or something. Oh, okay.
0: So yeah, obviously this dude's a vampire, but no one's really got the. <laughs> the, the, uh, the coach
1: that. is kind of like debating: Do I let him in? Do I keep him inside, or do I pull him out? Yeah. And. Uh,
0: but you know, if he identifies as a vampire, it's his choice to get out there and play. So this is the '90s, Alex. This uh, that's right. This was actually really progressive then.
1: Well, no, because he gets killed. <laughs>
0: This is true. So he goes out there, and of course he dominates because he can fucking fly. And Buffy becomes aware of what's going on really quick. Do they even have like a really good fight scene? Or no, she just chases him away. This is our big right, uh, she, chase sequence. Yeah, she
1: trips him, and then he uh, he runs away, and she goes after him. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the school is just like California. Game on. <laughs> what you gonna do, <laughs>
0: kids? Uh, that's right. So she steals a. Uh, some biker that's just hanging outside of. There's like a whole gang of bikers, a chapter of the Hell's Angels, just hanging out outside the high school. Yeah,
1: tell me again how progressive this movie is when <laughs> that biker calls Buffy a dyke just because she stole. Call her a thief.
0: Yeah, and it's. And I do love too the poor aging of it. Like, I think it's PG thirteen. Like, and that's like not even really considered a swear back in nineteen ninety two. Yeah, it calls her a dyke. With he's like, I'm gonna tell everybody. Okay. That, you,
1: that you rode a motorcycle? Yeah.
0: That you just got your ass kicked by Christy Swanson. <laughs> yeah, and just cutting Donald Sutherland's off camera going, Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Which by the way, during that game, everybody's wearing like normal clothing and
0: <laughs> He's those... just chilling in the upper deck, like
1: <laughs> still wearing the hat, the overcoat. He's got
0: the overcoat on, the fucking fedora, he's unkempt, looks like he smells like shit, but he has the foam finger. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Go hogs.
1: This is the funniest performance in the movie and he's completely underplaying it that's that's pure genius
0: that's that's pure sutherland right there yes Kiefer did that a million times in his movies i don't even think he read the script for most of the stuff he did in, in well, the mid 2000s
1: tw- 24 is just like Kiefer sutherland stand a up
0: documentary <laughs> uh so she chases after sasha uh on a stolen motorcycle um luke perry pike i guess he has a van at one point in the movie um that was destroyed in a scene prior to this where
1: he's trying to skip town
0: he's trying to get out of town and pb herman and a couple of other vampires cut him off he is able to basically run over two of them and then goes on this long voyage with pb herman on the top of his van and essentially what happens is he ends up ripping his arm off he runs him into a tree his arm falls off christy swanson comes and saves the day Uh, but at this point pike luke perry Knows that she. I don't think he knows that she's the one, maybe for him, but not in terms of the (laughs) vampiric reckoning. He sees her passing and he somehow has a new dirt bike because, as if he couldn't be more of a badass and a hunk in high school. He's got a fucking uh, chopper I mean, now.
1: makes sense that he has backup vehicles. He's a, he's a mechanic, right? Or at least yeah. he, he was a mechanic until he quit so he could skip town. Yeah. And then I guess his boss took he's him back. He's a guy that,
0: roll up your sleeves, get your hands greasy. He's a man's man in this film.
1: Yeah. So this is like really when you start getting Luke Perry as a, uh, more of an action star. Because at first, the first 30 minutes or so of the movie, I, I kind of felt like we had been cheated. Because like you said, Luke Perry's predominant in, uh, in that poster. Mm-hmm. And you don't really get that much Luke Perry. I mean, Buffy keeps just making fun of him and and not taking him seriously, and then he kind of disappears. But then he comes back with a vengeance, and now he's more like, I don't know if I can say action hero Luke Perry, but he's definitely, let's take care of business Luke Perry.
0: It's certainly a a Bruce Wayne, Batman-esque moment of uh, Dark Knight Rises in that he wanted to skip town to get away from all this shit, but then he comes back to save the day, and he rescues Buffy at this point because I had forgotten completely that he actually kills someone in this. Yeah, he he's the one that kills Sasha and uh, stabs him and, from the back. He does. And has a really good line, too, because he's like, I'm a God now. And then he stabs him because now you're a coat rack uh, saves her. And it looks like, you know, we're already getting the the ultimate showdown here. Rutger Hauer shows up uh, freshly de-limbed. Pee Wee Herman is there to give shit to Luke Perry and uh donald sutherland basically puts a stop to it and it reminds the participants and also the audience now is not the time for this
1: (laughs) guys we have another 45 minutes of movie to fill out so not yet slow down
0: when he said she's not strong enough he was referring to
1: the audience as a whole (laughs) uh now good for sutherland i mean we're having fun we wanted to keep going for a little longer oh yeah uh he he pulls uh an agent Colson here, and I don't know if you might remember. I know you watched the first Avengers, mm-hmm. uh, so the the shield agent that sacrifices himself gets killed by Loki, and that's really what unites the Avengers, you know, and their thirst for vengeance to Avengers' death. They they put aside their differences or oh, whatever.
0: Yeah, because he's got the bloody playing cards in his. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So here, I think Buffy's not strong enough to to face Rüdiger Hauer yet, and I think that. What Sutherland does, he makes it look like he's attempting to kill Rugerhauer. But I, he,
0: I, I see where you're going with this, and I like it.
1: He goes in slow motion. He's yeah. like, he's like, okay, I'm more. You're not that much of a Marvel person, so let's let's go uh, Star Wars. Okay. He's doing like the Obi Wan in Episode Four, mm-hmm. right? He's just letting Vader kill him so that Luke can be stronger. So here, Sutherland is making it look like he's going to stab Howard, uh, but he knows that Howard's going to kill him. Yeah, he's no match for him, but still, he. Uh, he dies he dies in buffy's arms and that makes her strong enough for the rest of the movie yeah uh, now she she has something at stake <laughs>
0: <laughs> been sitting on that one for a while and then luke perry's like ah bummer
1: dude <laughs> he has a a really nice moment i actually wrote it down as as an oscar sequence not even an oscar clip uh not luke perry but sutherland um the one moment before this is is when he's there with uh with Buffy they're just kind of like chilling after training and and they share their dreams with each other Mm -hmm. they finally you know the walls come down and Buffy's telling him like why is it that you never do anything you just watch You, you you train me but you never like really go in there I'm the one that's putting her neck out there and Sutherland you know it's like well you know that's how it is and then Buffy's like yeah when I'm when I'm old, I want to be a shopper. Yeah,
0: that's right. You know, go shopping, buy things, do buy.
1: <laughs> it's it's such a cute, sweet moment that could have easily been cut out of the movie. But obviously, <laughs> it wasn't because the director recognized that this is the heart of the movie. This is mm-hmm. what humanizes him. Because when you... When Sutherland dies, that's when it hits you, right? You know, she was accusing him of being on the sidelines, always watching. And then he finally goes and takes action, you know, and that's what gets him killed. So you can just imagine what's going on through her head. uh, And you don't have to imagine because you can see it on on Chrissy Swanson's uh, performance. Mm -hmm.
0: And this kind of causes her to want to leave the vampire slaying world. She's obviously distraught after the loss of Merrick. She goes back to school to try to assume her previous identity, cheerleading class activities planning the school dance having a boyfriend all that good stuff uh she tries to explain it in terms that potentially her friends can understand but uh they basically just grill her they don't understand they uh, their minds immediately go to her just hooking up with some old dude that's what they think she's talking about
1: they were not they were halfway right because she kind of like was hooking up with luke perry (laughs) they haven't consummated yet but the emotional connection has been made
0: So she tries to ignore this uh, chosen life of vampire slang and just go about her everyday functions, and she wants to go to this school dance. And this is where we get like our final montage of her getting ready, and then we get a shot of Luke Perry looking in the mirror, uh, a shaving shaving cream-filled face, and then he takes out a straight razor and chops off his luscious, luscious soul patch. And immediately looks about 20 to 25 years older.
1: This is the promise that we didn't know the movie had made to us, which was Luke Perry will look like the Luke Perry you know from 90210 by the time this movie's over. So at first, he looks a little weird, right? I mean, you can recognize he's Luke Perry, and he's hot and everything, but the hairdo is not quite right. No. And he looks, you he know, looks what's like going on? he just on? bought
0: Pearl, Pearl Jam 10.
1: Yeah, kind of it looks that. like those, when, you know, a TV show does a flashback to, like, 20 years earlier, mm-hmm. and but they have the same actors playing, like, when Better Call Saul, when they have, well, you haven't seen Better Call Saul, but they have Actually, Jimmy play. Episodes, yeah. yeah, and, you know, so they have him play himself 20 years early, and you're like, I can see it. But at the same time, I don't know. There's something off about this. So it's the same thing. The moment that Luke Perry shaves, he doesn't. And,
0: he's not the clean Luke that we're used to, right?
1: But once he shaves and he does the slick back and everything, once you can see his forehead, I think that's when you you just you realize, okay, we've caught up to modern times.
0: <laughs> and he shows up to the dance to meet Buffy, and he's got the puffy shirt on with a leather jacket on over it. Uh, the night does not start well for Buffy, as the assumed boyfriend who she hasn't talked to and god knows how long is there with one of her friends and said you know basically he dumped her over voicemail but that's where luke perry comes in you think to save the day for uh for the movie but no he comes in handy later because <laughs> all these fucking vampires swarm in you know as a teen especially at that age it's safe to think that if you just ignore your problems they'll go away but all that happens here is it creates problems and uh costs the life lives of many innocent people here.
1: You know, this is kind of a throwback to our very first Contrarians episode, Alex, where we discussed how Jack Skellington was making a mistake ignoring, uh, what's the name of the monster, Oogie Boogie or whatever. Yes. You know, he knew that Oogie Boogie was living there. He knew that Oogie Boogie was trouble. And it took Oogie Boogie almost killing him before he finally took care of it. Yeah. Right? And here's the same thing. Like, these vampires have been festering and... Sutherland didn't really do anything about it other than train Buffy, and Buffy hasn't been really like been proactive about it, and the rest of the town has been kind of ignoring how weird shit is, and now it's coming to bite them in the ass. Yeah, now it's just they're, now the promise ruined mm-hmm. because they didn't take care of the vampire problem,
0: and they're too busy sucking face because we do get the big kiss sequence. They... Yeah, that's
1: really the climax of the movie. I mean, vampires and everything. That's just that's just the dressing. What but... we
0: wanted was. The the, the the Luke Perry, Christy Swanson embrace. Yes,
1: I wanted 90210 Luke Perry. Not the Luke Perry from the beginning of the movie. 90210 Luke Perry and Christy Swanson dressed like a bride. Yes. On the dance floor, making out. That happened God After bless. that, you can just go to end credits. But then the movie, Roll obviously. the credits. Yeah. They, now it's just, let's take care of this vampire business.
0: Vampires show up, start biting a lot of people. David Arquette's there, squares off with Luke Perry. They have a fun back and forth. Uh, But this is where Buffy comes into her own. Uh, Luke Perry prepared for her and presents her with a big bag of steaks. Uh, We see uh, in one of the
1: medium rare steaks, perfectly cooked.
0: (laughs) And one of the shots of him getting ready for the dance, he's like got like a tennis racket and a big brush. And it's all these things that he can sharpen into a steak. Very ingenuitive. Uh, So she goes off. He gives her. Well, his
1: leather jacket.
0: After accidentally ripping her dress, so she's yes. got like a short skirt on, and then the leather jacket. So this is like fucking. This is fucking the end of uh, Last Jedi or end of Revenge of the Sith, where the helmet comes down onto Darth Vader. <laughs> this is where Buffy is created. This is, I mean, that this that is the first Wolverine claw extraction.
1: Uh, that critic said grease in the eighties, and I think this is m- what might have confused them. You know, there's there's a little bit of grease there where. The one getting the makeover was Luke Perry, but but then you know the one getting a leather jacket was still the girl was Buffy. Yes, and so no no tight leather pants, but still you know. The, Look the, at
0: she, she is Sandra D.
1: Sandra D. Summers. There you go, Buffy D. <laughs> I
0: was trying to think of something that rhymes with virginity, but I can't do it. <laughs> so yeah, it's just a fucking all out balls out action sequence filled with head kicks. Eventually, Buffy gets away and... Were
1: you surprised that Hilary Swank survived the night? I thought they were priming her to be the last big kill.
0: I was thinking that she was going to be like the one that somehow accidentally wandered outside of the gymnasium and then just gets surrounded by vampires. <laughs> the like the, the asshole character in Shaun of the Dead that just gets like picked up and like <laughs> literally ripped apart. Uh, but no, she makes it, but not without fucking Steven Root ba- bashing her head against a wall to get her to shut up. <laughs> Completely uh, not consistent with the tone of the movie at all, but goddamn, it's funny.
1: The one truly ugly moment in the movie is when this adult slams the head of teenage girl against the wall.
0: Buffy wanders away to some local office building or some shit, and she goes inside, and uh, there's Pee Wee. And he says hello and starts attacking her, and they get into a Pier 6 brawl. Uh, they fight down to the basement of this building where Rudger Hauer is wait, lying in wait, and she kills P.B. Herman with little effort, but to be fair, he's a one-armed man.
1: Yeah. Uh, here's my one serious complaint about the movie, and maybe this is just a deleted scene that we never got because of, I don't know, maybe it was this is what would have pushed it to an R rating or something, but Rudger Hauer... You know, Pee Wee Herman is, through the entire movie, he's just like, can we make our big move? Can we just get rid of this? Can we can we attack Buffy or whatever? And Ruger Howard's kind of, like, chilling, and at one point he says, they're going to have a dance. I want to dance. Right? He has, like, an ukulele or something. It's a violin. <laughs> okay. But he's playing it like a guitar.
0: Oh, is he? Yeah. I know uh, he's just playing it to begin with, like, basically serenade uh, Buffy. Paul Rubens. Oh, well, yeah. That's like it. his death. yeah,
1: uh, But... So when when he said no they're going to have a dance and I want to dance I I got ready. I was like we're going to I've never seen Rupert Howard dance. He's
0: going to cut a rug.
1: <laughs> he has he's already dressed for it. You know, I can see how this is going to be great. But then it never happens. I mean, that's fine. The movie still works. But talk yeah. about a missed opportunity.
0: A big letdown. Yeah. He tries to basically he gives her one last chance to become I don't know, his bride, but bring her into the vampire world and she has none of it. Um now we did kind of undersell when Paul Rubens gets the stake in the heart. He's like uh, Will Ferrell's character from Austin Powers that just won't die.
1: He gets to be funny. This he does. is this is the moment it's that the we're off. Yeah, he's
0: been like an evil greasy dude the whole movie, and this is him being funny. Yeah, and,
1: you you get to this point that you have already forgotten that Paul Rubens is supposed to be a funny guy. Mm-hmm. So when he's funny, it's just it's three times the, the amusement.
0: It's a very tense moment in the movie, also. So adding levity to it i believe was the right call
1: and he knows how to milk a joke i mean oh. this is like we this were entire about... career <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> uh back at the school it's time for the final showdown Rudger howard shows up uh and he and buffy it definitely was reminiscent of um the matrix in terms of a lot of high wire uh acrobatics no slow-mo of, not a float a lot of floating no
1: we is, ain't got time for that
0: shit. No, no, no. We're talking as the, much as we can into this, and we're getting out of here before the 90-minute mark.
1: Early 90s is just, you know, they didn't fuck with that.
0: Nail on the head. And
1: I, I told you as we were watching it, I'm pretty sure Swanson did most of her stunts. Yeah. that's Those cakes are they are hers. Yeah. Uh, Howard, and- I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> it's an older dude. I, I, I'll i cut him some slack.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure about that. but I
1: understand if it wasn't really him getting a, a stake through the heart. <laughs>
0: All roads lead to Buffy, and in the end, she is triumphant, uh, stabs him in the heart with a stake, and then, as I had explained to Julio, uh, what would later inspire Jean-Claude Van Damme's murdering of Liam Hemsworth in The Expendables 2, spin kicks this stake into his heart. And, Van Damme, but,
1: huge Buffy fan. <laughs>
0: but I think he's just a Christy Swanson fan. <laughs> uh, and Howard goes, oops, as he dies. I mean, not the most powerful final line but definitely memorable well i
1: mean you want to talk about turning the tropes on their head that's that's just reading again for you mm-hmm. right he doesn't he's given howard a couple of speeches already throughout the movie he doesn't need one more he just needs a funny death at this point
0: you know what i loved about this is at this point david arquette never dies on screen he goes away uh luke perry throws i think it's holy water in his face
1: No, no no he electrocutes him
0: oh damn it yeah you're right he does
1: Yeah, I I understand that you would block that from your memory, because it's it's
0: just horrible. I don't want to see... For a second, I thought he had the fucking... Yeah, for a minute, I thought he had the Hayden Pantier uh, contract from Scream 4, where he couldn't (laughs) die on screen.
1: Um, Where they go, like, David or will be back. (laughs) And Buffy 2. Vampires assemble.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And... Buffy is triumphant. Luke Perry's there to greet her, and we're out, baby. Like within like forty five seconds of Rudger Howard dying, this movie's already <laughs> rolling the credits.
1: Yeah, like she's they they. I think the the funniest thing in the in the movie is uh, Stephen Root. He, he has a two punch combo of uh, when. First he's passing out detention slips
0: to all the dead vampires to
1: all the dead vampires and then when Rutger Hauer shows up he's like well that's definitely not a student
0: <laughs> and then to top it off when Hillary Swank won't stop screaming he just and pl- then he
1: well that's like funny but also really disturbing. So I don't know about that. Well, but at this
0: point in the movie, we've gone off the rails into full fantasy. So I think it's appropriate or right. acceptable, at least, to laugh at that.
1: I mean, it, I was fully expecting that uh, the motorcycle that Luke Perry and, and Chrissy Swanson... That are, is that the only gonna,
0: thing that wasn't missing, that it didn't go off didn't into go, the sky. Yeah. Yes,
1: Then I would totally get your Grease in the 80s reference. But uh, no, it's cool. I, I really like that. What movie was it that that had this similar pattern? I think it was uh, Aeon Flux. Where you have
0: where she rides off on a motorcycle at the end of the movie. (laughs) Well
1: where you had the the woman and the man characters, right? Like so you have the strong female protagonist that's basically buckling the trends, right? And you have the the guy kind of like being subservient of her towards the end. But not completely. So here at the end, yes, so Luke Perry was not the guy that saved the day. And that's awesome, because you need female role models and 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 Buffy's awesome. But still, he's the one riding the motorcycle, and and Buffy's the one holding on to him, as if like you know, it's it's balanced. The power is balanced. It's not like yeah. It's not like Perry is like completely whipped.
0: No, the, the she the, is wearing his jacket. Life is a it's a balancing act altogether.
1: Right. I'm sure they took turns. I mean, yeah. you know, at some point they had a they hit a rest stop, and, and then Buffy all, was like, "It's my all, turn." After all,
0: this after all, this was a Luke Perry vehicle. So <laughs> <laughs> he drove off in the end.
1: Yeah. He drove off to, like I told you, to die off camera because you never see him again in the TV show.
0: He died on the way back to his home planet, much like the joke I used. In the... <laughs> when I told Which, you yeah, that... that. Yeah, that comes around, too. The That's from the Poochie episode, and the fucking reveal of the soul patch was just like Poochie. He needs more attitude, so they just draw the sunglasses on him. Oh, there it is.
1: Um, the end credits... They feature like some TV interviews. Uh,
0: one of my favorite tropes of the '90s, where it's the credits rolling over like uh, the Fallout, yeah, in a comedic fashion. Yeah, they're shit, like Hillary Swank's getting interviewed.
1: She she had like some concussion, some brain damage because she's talking like she's accepting a, because an her award.
0: principal physically <laughs> assaulted her.
1: How is it missed opportunity again that you don't see Stephen Roode in handcuffs? <laughs> Just
0: like... I didn't do it. Uh, Stephen Roode talking about his time in Nam uh and then another
1: it was uh, buffy's ex-boyfriend and yeah. the girl that he left her for
0: and then a lost trope of you get to that point where you're ready to go into like the production credits mm. cuz during this it's when um this is classic trope from the 90s the Credits for the acting is rolling, and that's when you have like the background of Uh video, and then you get to the point where your your next step is to go to the production credits. So you show one last quick blooper before you go there, and then we just get more of uh, Paul Rubens selling his steak wound,
1: still like squeezing that otter, (laughs) just milking, but like milking it dry. Yes, Uh, God bless. He's still somewhere. He's still like dying. He's still doing the, the death scene from Buffy.
0: I do love that there's probably people that stop him on the street to talk about this movie and don't even bring up Pee Herman or Crankgate <laughs> or his post millennium uh, legal foibles.
1: The one last thing from the credits is that you, I'm glad that you pointed it out. Uh, first name on the credits once they start rolling is the, the Candy lady Candy Clark yeah the lady that played Buffy's mom
0: who has approximately 45 seconds of screen time
1: and of course you first think minutes. what's the story behind this but then there's also like listen what's more important than your mom I think that the, the we I didn't end it Clark. right there
0: would <laughs> be no Buffy
1: yeah exactly so uh,
0: she had sex with Donald Sutherland at some point and that's what created Buffy Jesus <laughs>
1: that's just adding to the mythology <laughs>
0: well hey I would, my understanding is when people try to connect this to the tv show just blood shoots out their nose so why not just fucking make it even more convoluted
1: why not uh make uh buffy's dad his alleged dad like a cook hold in
0: <laughs> oh mercy so that's buffy the vampire slayer
1: strong female empowerment film
0: hell yeah if it hadn't fucking come out in 1992 with Terminator 2, I think Buffy, Christy Swanson would be remembered as one of the all-time iconic female action heroes. It's a hell
1: of an achievement. We've talked about Restraint a lot during this this part of the podcast. And just like we said while we're watching it, the fact that they made they managed to make a female empowerment vehicle disguised as a Luke Perry vehicle. right? Because really, like we said, this could have been Buford, the Vampire Slayer.
0: And in some alternate reality, we do have Buford, <laughs> the Vampire Slayer.
1: Uh Luke Perry never shaves in that version. It's just...
0: No, he's, he's on his fifth senior year. <laughs> All
1: right, so are you ready for
0: Real Talk? I am. I'm ready to get to it.
1: All right, we are recording for Real
0: Talk. Good deal. Uh, first and foremost, my notes were minimal on this, but one thing I did write down was there was a peculiar over usage of the word swell in this movie to the point of, not like swell like my fingers swelled because I got jammed, but like... That's, oh, that's a swell. Yeah. This like, is a
1: swell movie. Hmm.
0: Was Joss Whedon watching like a bunch of 50s television or something when he wrote this? Luke
1: Perry's a swell dude. Luke
0: Perry is a swell man. Um, a swole man, as it were. Okay, so Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, fuck me dead. It was released, it was a summer movie. July 31st, 1992. Uh, budget of approximately $7 million with a box office return of over $16 million. So did its part there. Uh, before we go into the critics that liked it, including myself, <laughs> although I'm not a, a licensed or certified critic. Like you're you're no Eddie Strait. Eddie Straight. yeah. Uh, let's see, what did I find that was fun here? Uh, screenwriter Joss Whedon found Donald Sutherland extremely difficult to be around. Sutherland rewrote most of his dialogue and scenes. Fits with what we said. Uh, Often making the scenes incomprehensible in Whedon's opinion. Whedon praised Sutherland's ability as an actor but called his behavior rude and Sutherland himself a dick. Uh, Wow. Joss Whedon was so frustrated by how much his vision uh, was being mishandled and how much of it was being rewritten that he eventually left the set during production and never came back feel like you had told me that well Uh, i didn't
1: know it was that bad i just honestly i thought that he had sold a spec i didn't know that he was even involved in the production i mm -hmm. thought that he just sold it and then that was it but that's gotta suck even more like he was in there he was trying to provide guidance
0: his hands were in the dough he just couldn't do anything about it uh Alyssa Milano was originally set to play Buffy god bless good Uh, call
1: yeah I, i would have liked to see that
0: Josh Weed maintains the movie should be considered standalone, and that any of the events, characters, or character traits in the movie should not be referred to as canon for the television series of the same name. Uh, this one was absolutely wonderful. Uh, David Bowie, Mick Jagger, and Ils Ills, the guy from fucking... Uh, Princess Bride. Yeah, I never knew how to pronounce his last name. He's also in... Saw. Saw, yeah. We're set to make cameo appearances as vampires, but... These were cut due to time and budgetary constraints.
1: And also because they With read the script.
0: David Bowie and Mick Jagger, I'm going to guess it was the latter and it was budgetary.
1: <laughs> you know, I'm not surprised to hear that Sutherland just was not into it and was being kind of a dick. Because he really, out of everybody in the movie, I, he seems to be the one that doesn't give a shit. He's sleepwalking through the role and not even a good way. Not even that, oh, he's so good that he can do this in his sleep. It's more like, man, he didn't even wake up today, and he just just came to work and he's just mumbling through his lines. He is super low energy, he really brings things down every time he's there mm-hmm. and he I mean, now that we're in real talk, his action scenes look terrible, especially his death scene i mean he's just it's like he's not even trying. He moves in slow motion. He talks in slow motion. He's just... Yeah. I mean... I don't care. He's... Just so bad.
0: <laughs> it, it's.
1: I'd forgotten that he was in the movie, and I'd forgotten that he was so bad in the movie.
0: It's kind of surprising, given how polished of an actor he is. Yeah,
1: he's, he's a good actor. Mm-hmm. But here, it's just... Did he not care? Did he just... Was he just... Like I'm gonna make this, I'll be in this shitty movie because I got to pay the the bills. But
0: he's definitely the worst part of the movie. Um, And that's someone who really likes this movie saying that because he doesn't even have the fucking Elvis dance scene where he just turns it on. Nope, no, nothing, nothing reminiscent of that. Uh, Last bit here, and this will come as no surprise. uh, Pee Wee Herman, Paul Rubens, improv'd his entire death scene. Really i think it's fucking hilarious color
1: me shocked
0: uh okay so before we get into your personal feelings
1: your laughter during that Pee-wee that scene was just like echoing it was unsettling i was just like stone-faced as it's happening you look
0: disgusted you looked like we look at the customers that would come see grown-ups and like oh that was so funny
1: i I remember that from having watched the movie before Mm -hmm. and uh I, I was not amused the first time. <laughs> Definitely not amused this time.
0: <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Um, and again, before we get deep into this for listeners, uh, I have not ever seen a single episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the television show. So I understand my credibility is immediately thrown out the door. No,
1: no, no, no. I think this movie, and by the way, this is real talk. This is where we tell you how we really feel about the movie. Uh no more, the name. No more playing around. Uh, and I'll tell you, TV show or not, this is a bad movie. <laughs> it suffers even more in comparison. I came in willing to give it the benefit of the doubt because I would heard, you know, the, it played at at the Alamo recently mm-hmm. and uh, and I'd seen some people that actually liked it and one of them was uh, a, a friend of mine that said that he had seen it before and he really hated it and he thought that maybe it was because he w- it was so close to a TV show at the time uh, and so he watched it this time as a standalone and it worked, he had a good time. Uh, maybe you can have a good time with it. Like if you're surrounded, you know, you're at the Alamo and you're watching it with people that are like in it for the campiness and just the ridiculousness of the 90s. Uh, but I, I don't think it's a good movie at all.
0: All right, go join your 77%, but us 33% will be over here. Uh, here here's nice your and comfy. Yeah, who, who's got my back?
1: Uh, Emma Cochran from Empire Magazine says, Enjoyable, but now basically a footnote to the TV series. That's true. Yeah. Uh, Charles Cassidy from Common Sense Media says, "Flippant horror comedy that birthed the TV show." Will you guys stop talking about the TV show? <laughs> Felix Vasquez Junior. from Cinema Crazed says, well, "Where's the TV show? <laughs> Serves more as a fun guilty pleasure, but one that chooses to embrace the absurdity and run with it." Uh, Ken Hankey, <laughs> Ken Hankey is like the fourth contrarian. <laughs> it's always every couple episodes we bring him in. Uh, Kenny Hankey from Mountain Express, Asheville, North Carolina, amusing trifle notable chiefly for Paul Rubens's performance I don't know uh, Jenny Kermode from Eye for Film says production values are low and everything looks cheap, but the film punches above its weight and has a lot of heart mm-hmm. I see you nodding okay? there's no heart in this movie <laughs> that you can't even give it I mean. I can understand seeing seeing it as a funny movie, mm-hmm. but you can't tell me it's a heartfelt movie. Oh,
0: there's so much heart to it. Oh, uh,
1: and finally, Rob Vox from Flipside Movie Emporium says, "I know I stand alone on this, but Christy Swanson is the one true Buffy."
0: Yeah, homeboy, <laughs> I have never even watched the show, but yeah, I don't I don't know about all that.
1: <laughs> Calm down, Rob. Yeah. Uh, I mean I mean you are right. You're the only one.
0: Yeah, they <laughs> enjoy your 1%. Uh yeah, I mean, I really really enjoy this movie. But why? Um it's well one, it's that perfect 90s niche that I just fucking devour. Um
1: you had the balls to compare this to Empire Records when we mo- started
0: watching it. Okay, for one, to be fair, I thought I remembered you did not like Empire Records.
1: No, I'd like it fine. Okay.
0: Two, n- okay, the <laughs> A director's cut of empire records is like in my top 25 <laughs> movies of all time this does not crack that surface
1: wait for the director's cut of buffy
0: oh yeah jesus Where they where it makes sense <laughs> i i can't i was trying to separate how much of it was nostalgia from watching this when i was a little kid because this was like a sick day movie i remember i'd have my mom run it from the library for me to watch but watching it now it's really not that it's um It's a perfect amalgamation of things that I really like watching in movies now as I'm, I guess, an adult of really easy to process. And don't get me wrong, I like a really good serious movie when I'm in the right mood for it. Easy to process, uh, ridiculous fashion, ridiculous hair. Notable, really like world famous actors in really subordinate roles.
1: You just live for that athlete cameo.
0: Oh, dude, wonderful! <laughs> I mean, the soundtrack doesn't hurt that it's '90s, but I guess what I could say is I like this movie. I really, really like this movie in the same vein that I like Friday the Thirteenth Part Seven, like something <laughs> really, really silly and goofy, and that I know is not good. I mean, even down to the like, literally, I told you I was like marking it at the end when they ride off on a motorcycle together i was like yes it's just so dumb and perfect um it's like the only time someone took a gamble on a luke perry movie so god bless that he and looked... he's
1: still playing second fiddle to someone else yeah uh,
0: and that's another thing too that I, i'm always really fascinated by movies like this where um and of course i'm blanking on an example now that i bring it up uh district nine uh obviously district nine is a much better movie than this but uh, like, what um where it's centered around someone who never really had anything centered around them again. And I think I think Sutherland Say Sher- it,
1: Charlotte Copley is the Luke Perry of the two no, thousands.
0: I'm talking about Christy Swanson now. <laughs> oh okay. Yeah. You no, know, because uh, yeah, Charlotte Copley's should have been Oscar nominated <laughs> performance. Uh Sutherland really, I feel, hurts this movie most in that Hit most of his scenes, 90% of what he does is with Christy Swanson. And she's obviously a very young girl in this movie, but she's game. She's really like giving it her all. Mm-hmm. And when you don't have someone to play off of, or you have someone who's not giving anything back, it hurts what you do. So I'm in full agreement that Donald Sutherland is the worst part of this movie. And Rutger Hauer, who was on set for maybe 20 <laughs> minutes, he showed up wearing what he was in. <laughs> um, and then, Paul Rubens, I, I mean, coming off of what he was coming off of, I think it was probably a smart idea to do something completely different at the same time. He really doesn't
1: go for the laughs.
0: No, he's completely forgettable. Yeah. If he, if he didn't do that overdramatic death scene, which is funny. Uh, I don't know, dude. That's the most memorable thing he does. If he didn't do that, it, it it's literally a footnote. Oh, yeah, Pee Wee Herman is like one of the henchmen <laughs> in this movie. And, of course, we have David Arquette, who's just wonderful David Arquette. But... Uh, I'm stealing, obviously, the the spotlight here and talking about it. I I fully concede that it's not a good movie, but I still really enjoy it.
1: I I think that respectfully disagree. Well, yes, but I don't know, man. I I think it has its heart in the right place, even though I don't think there's much that is heartfelt about it, mm-hmm. uh, because I know what Whedon went on to do it's really hard to separate you know I, I can to me it's very easy to compare it to the real buffy yeah. and tell you oh well i can see where he was going because i know that he got there eventually and once he got there it was really awesome right and the core idea of which he's everybody knows this you know anybody that's a fan of buffy because he says it every time that they ask him about the the genesis of the project or whatever right he's he wanted to to get the the pretty cheerleader character that's always a victim and make her a powerhouse and make her be the the hero. And I was like, that's awesome, right? And this movie, I don't think it, I mean, obviously that's where it starts, and it kind of forgets that it's about that.
0: Well, that's kind of, I was waiting for that to come up. I, I wasn't kidding. It, it was, uh I don't think this would be remembered in the same vein as, you know, uh, one of these big female empowerment films at the same time it definitely didn't help that terminator 2 came out the same year (laughs) it's like oh sarah connor but uh at the same time i think they do a pretty good job because like in other movies up until this point like when their boyfriend dumps her at the dance she would have run home crying or something like that but she just they don't really make her become like a girl
1: right no i think and, and you know here's a positive thing i'll say about the movie yes uh she does have a believable arc. Remember, I told you early on we were watching the movie, and I told you that the character in the TV show is a completely different character, mm-hmm. and that from the character that Kirstie Swanson is playing in the first half of the movie, it's just I don't see the connection. And, She's Juno. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I'm not saying that the connection's there yet, but I can definitely see. I mean, she starts at, at, as a bubblehead. At the beginning, and by the end of the movie, she's kind of a, she's a stronger character. She's mm-hmm. she's more settled in and everything, and I can kind of see how down the line she can become the strong character that opens the TV show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so that was nice to see. That was a surprise because I was from what I remembered, she was just a ditch the entire time, and so it, it was nice to see that. Oh, Donald Sutherland's death affected her that everything that happens to her affected her in a way that i could actually see play out in the movie Mm -hmm. uh so that was that was cool and she's she's fine i i don't think that i I think that whenever the buffy character fails is not christy swanson's fault Mm -hmm. i think it's just the screenplay the decisions the story decisions made by whoever whedon or the director or donald sutherland apparently (laughs) (laughs) uh those definitely don't support her
0: that's a good idea just not for donald Sutherland.
1: So is like, well, how about we make this gym scene last longer? Dude, that goes on forever. Yeah. The, the, the exposition scene.
0: What if I throw a knife at her face?
1: <laughs> but Donald, we just we've moved on. We're not in the school anymore. No, no, let's go back for a reason. <laughs> uh." So she's not the problem, and even Luke Perry. I mean, it's it's a lot of fun to make fun of oh, yeah. just him because of 90210 and the 90s and Luke Perry. And
0: he's literally just handsy 90s boy,
1: right? He doesn't. He's not terrible in the movie. He's just kind of, you know, well anybody could have done this. You know, you could have put in the other guy from 90210, and it would have been probably the same result.
0: It, that's definitely. Uh, I think that's one of the amusing things for me that like makes the movie. It's just like. It could be anybody, but the fact that it's Luke Perry makes it like affable. It's just like, oh, well, that's fun,
1: right? But but his main thing is like, okay, you have to look good even when you are not the cool guy. Yeah. Right? You still have to look attractive and then you gotta
0: look like you just bought a spin doctor's album. Right.
1: And then at the end we'll give you the makeover and you'll look like Luke Perry. And, and but you know, anybody I think from nine oh two one oh would apply you, you could give him that arc and it'll still be the same.
0: It could have been David Arquette. <laughs> it
1: could have been David Arquette. Yeah. Uh Buffy <laughs>
0: You're not like most girls. Uh,
1: so you know that's your your two main, you know two of them in Sutherland and then the two vampires but really I think Perry and and on. they're okay carrying the movie. So it really just boils down to me about you know it's the story which is just weak sauce. I mean it, there's there's just it just lumbers along. They uh,
0: barely fill that 126 <laughs> of the movie. It,
1: yes. It's just it, I don't know there's for a for a vampire comedy there's not a whole lot of comedy and there's not a whole lot of vampire stuff Mm -hmm. you know a lot of it has to do with just the mythology of buffy and it's not it's handled handled in kind of like a boring fashion i mean those every time they went to like the flashbacks or like they talked about forget about that i was gonna say forget about it (laughs) uh,
0: um, i've used this term on here before but to me it really strikes me as like a music video movie in that the powers that be people putting it together had a really good vision for about four minutes and 30 seconds of the movie.
1: The opening of the movie is fine, mm-hmm. right? Like, the introduction of Buffy and setting her character, the character of Pike, and just kind of, like, the world that, that she lives in. The moment Sutherland makes contact, dude, we just go on a dive. It, it's hard and fast. Uh, and then the other problem is that I think the action scenes are atrocious.
0: The sound, in particular, is something I noted, the, like,
1: the yeah. score
0: well the score but like the actual like audio mixing during mm-hmm. the fight scenes mm-hmm. like the sound effects and shit it, it sounds like you and I did it in a half hour pretty much
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it i don't think it's well shot from an action standpoint and i understand that you could try to use the the excuse of well it's supposed to be camp mm-hmm. but it doesn't go all the way camp to where you can excuse this lobbiness of the fight scenes and there's a lot of fight scenes
0: Yeah, and it's—I'm not even sure you could say that they were specifically going for camp.
1: That's that's like an after-the-fact excuse. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, and you know it does not surprise me to hear that the director, she was so burnt by this, she never directed another movie again.
1: (laughs) Fucking Donald Sutherland, ruining careers (laughs) left and right.
0: The Marvin Hagler just never did it again. Uh,
1: So you think this is like a Tommy Wiseau situation where they screened Buffy? And everybody started like laughing halfway through, and and then
0: then she just left the theater. Uh, but obviously, I mean, it does, it, especially by today's standards, seem kind of amateurish.
1: Yeah, yeah it's it's bad. I, I, nobody know. I mean, obviously, I don't know what went on that set, the difficulties that might have. You know, were Donald you, Sutherland. Yeah, we just like <laughs> fuck it, print, move on, I don't care. Uh, but I, I, if you ask me, how do you make this movie better right away? Better shot uh, fight scenes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's already at least twenty five percent of the movie, and uh, do away with the mythology. Just just focus on 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 your leads. Just do, give me more Pike and Buffy. I really I think that that would have made the movie a little probably it would be more conventional, but it would be a lot more entertaining. Yeah, I feel like we didn't really get enough interaction it's between really, Luke Perry and Swanson. Yeah,
0: it's really rushed.
1: You know, for them to be to get to that magical moment of the kiss at the prom. It was like, give me more of that. You could have cut down Donald Sutherland's uh, you know, screen time in half since he was being such a dick, yeah. and just give those lines to Luke Perry. He finds a book, and he's like, hey, it turns out that this is what's going on.
0: <laughs> yeah, and so you got Sutherland doing his fourth <laughs> SNL monologue in that movie. <laughs> Having not watched the show, to me, the most readily available comparison I could make Uh, would be The Simpsons movie, in that I don't need to watch the show to concede that it's probably better than the movie. But much like The Simpsons movie, if you view it as a standalone and don't take it too seriously and don't expect it to live up to the standard the show set or play into, basically use it as canon for the show, yeah, you can have a good time with it. I know I, that's like backwards because the Simpsons movie came after the show Right, started.
1: but Well, I really like the Simpsons movie, but I've watched maybe like 1% of the Simpsons episodes. Yeah. So to me, I mean, what is it you don't like about the Simpsons movie, just in a nutshell? That you're like, well, they've already done this?
0: No, like so, so much of the comedy and it's like, this isn't Simpsons comedy. Like, and a lot of it doesn't really make sense in terms of... Continuity? Or? Well, continuity, but also like just how fucking dumb Homer is. It's like in the show. Yeah. He gets them into like these situations and he screws up, but it's like practical stupidity, not just like burn the whole goddamn city down. Stupidity again. Well, it's I, a I own, movie. You have yeah, to go bigger. Fuck. I enjoy the Simpsons movie. I own it. But like I said, if you view it through that lens is more of it, the, uh, retroactive camp. If you view it that way, then you'll be all right.
1: Uh, yeah, so I mean, I've been trying not to bring up the TV show because I wanted to just have my criticism be just self contained. Mm-hmm. But now, if you want to go at, uh, onto the TV show just to see how it is done right, the first thing that, that stands out is that Sarah Michelle Gellar's Buffy is very different, like I told you, from Christy Swanson's Buffy. Mm-hmm. She's not, she's, I mean, I think she might still be a cheerleader at the beginning of of the TV show, and she's definitely a pretty girl, and she is, I mean, not popular because I told you the TV show, she's the new girl in town, but Mm -hmm. she's still, she's not socially awkward, right? She has a secret, but she's not, she's, she's not, like, this nerd that's having trouble making friends or anything. Uh, She is definitely a stronger character. It's, uh, There's funny, there's a lot of comedy in the show, but it's not at at the expense of the Buffy character. Whereas I hear the movie, at least in the first half, a lot of the joke is like, man, she's such an idiot. Or she's just so, like, airheaded, right? Uh, That doesn't happen in the TV show, which I think is cool. If that's what Whedon was going for originally, I can only imagine how frustrating it must be. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to see that just they demeaning his right. Character. They turn his main character into just like a valley girl that that really didn't get it. Right? Uh or maybe his his he always had that arc. That, oh, she starts kind of like as a uh just a ditz and then she becomes more serious at the end of the movie. I don't know. But but really that's like the main thing and that changes a lot. I mean, once you have a Buffy that's actually fairly serious about her role about killing vampires and wait. By that responsibility, it's a completely different character, completely different uh, experience when you're watching her adventures, yeah. right? And then you know, then everything else, every single aspect is better. The supporting characters are better; they're better developed. The fight choreography is great. The special effects are great. Just the production value in general is great. That's the other thing. This looked like it was like shot on a weekend. Yeah. I mean, just straight to video stuff like a camcorder
0: Plummerville, arkansas or something
1: yeah it yeah. it doesn't look good uh the music dude i can't get over how bad the score is the score looks like it sounds like something from castlevania like the nes <laughs> it's which i get it it's like the vampire theme but still continuity the tv show opens with like that awesome have you at least are you at least familiar with the buffy opening theme it's, i know nothing it's, about the show it's
0: There's so a character good called in what there's character, is it Angel or Angel? Angel. Oh, okay.
1: David Boreanaz.
0: Okay. Yeah. I, again, I've only ever seen anything about the show in text. And was, <laughs> well, I told you, I had no fucking idea it started in 1996. I thought it was like a mid-2000s show.
1: No, it was over. It ended when I moved here in 2002. I think that's when it ended. Goddamn. Yeah. Goddamn, pal. Uh, but yeah, if that's Whedon's original vision, you know, what the TV show became, then that's awesome. And that's, I completely understand why he's so mad and so just frustrated with the with the movie. Uh, I wonder how everybody else feels about it, right? I mean, how does Christy Swanson feel about the movie seeing where the TV show went, right?
0: Well, I mean, just in a wider perspective, I wonder how she feels that that was the movie that she's most known for. I mean, honestly, going over her filmography, it's not like she was starving. It's not like she did nothing after this, but... In my opinion, this and her appearance in Ferris Bueller's Day Off are like the two things she's most known for. So, uh, I mean, Luke Perry, this is obviously like a little, I wouldn't say footnote,
1: but... Uh, footnote in the Luke Perry career.
0: The the the, st- the, the pantheon of Luke Perry. <laughs> <laughs> he. Uh, well, I
1: don't know how many seasons of 90210 he has had, has under his belt. But, but
0: he'll always, at least for my generation, he's always going to be the teen heartthrob uh, get? he just had a an old soul because he was only like 25 in this movie and he looked 35
1: i mean it, it's hard when you're under the spotlight for that long that early in your life it just it marks you
0: <laughs> only guy i've ever seen shave and look older uh <laughs> no
1: shit dude that that transformation he really looks like he's pike's dad when he shows up at the, at the prom
0: don't you see, Pike? I am you. One hundred <laughs> years from now, um, yeah. I mean, okay. So to be fair, its runtime is so, it's so short that it's hard to be offensive. It's...
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't. I'm not mad at the movie. It's not like you. i basic, you know. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just not amused. I just don't. The, I, the I was really is hoping. Real. Well, I was hoping that this would be. on its own, right? Because it's been forever since I've watched Buffy. And so I was, you know, perfect example. I a couple days ago, and I tweeted about this, I watched the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy movie. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's on Netflix now. And I had a blast. I had a lot more fun with it than when it came out in theaters. When it came out in theaters, I finished reading the books, you know, maybe like a year prior. And I was so pumped. And I watched it. And I was like, eh, I mean... This is nowhere near as good as the books, and I kind of left it at that, right? Mm-hmm. And I just watched it again. I haven't read the books in maybe ten years, and uh, maybe less. But uh, I was able to appreciate the movie on its own, yeah, and that was great. It was I had such a fun time. It, it was I could appreciate everything that they did in the spirit of the book, and I wasn't focused on like all the things from the book that they didn't get. Uh, which is why I always say read the book after you watch the movie. Yeah, you know. But if you have already read the book and you're kind of fucked.
0: Not about a book, but that you, what you're explaining is exactly my experience with Warrior. The first time I watched it, it was like you had
1: it, a very specific set of like expectations lens that I was watching. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so I was hoping that the same thing would happen with Buffy. It'd be like I haven't watched a TV show for so long that maybe I'll be able to watch this and just be surprised by how much I enjoy it and how much I'm not comparing it mm-hmm. to to what I know. But that wasn't the case because... Lasted five, ten minutes. Yeah, I think really around the time Sutherland showed up. uh, Because there's a (laughs) Sutherland-like character in the show.
0: This movie isn't your basic, but But Sutherland's performance is your basic. (laughs)
1: Look, let's not miss words. I am appalled. (laughs) (laughs) I'm appalled at his performance, but even more so at the fact that it sounds like he was doing that on purpose. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you if you take Whedon at his word, then what what Donald Sutherland is doing in this movie is entirely his own creation. It's like fuck him. That's he didn't bring anything to the movie. He brought bad stuff. That's yeah, that's for shame, <laughs> Donald Sutherland. For shame.
0: Uh on the other side of that coin though, someone who doesn't bring down every scene they're in Arquette? and goes for the most of it. And in my opinion, was one of the joys of the film was Steven Root. Yes. Yeah.
1: The one genuine laugh I had was uh, when he said, "Well, that's definitely not a student." <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that and like the the scenes focused around Buffy's instincts or whatever being heightened, her senses being heightened. But when he's like trailing off in the background about going to a Doobies concert and doing hallucinogenics, and uh, I mean, it's no. It's not like we're letting a cat out of the bag. Yeah. Steven Root's funny. But... Yeah,
1: he he's he's always super solid in those supporting roles. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen a Stephen Root like vehicle? <laughs> or you know, but you know, where he's like at uh, least
0: Aside from Casino now.
1: <laughs> where he was like halfway through the shoot he uh, he was recast with Joe Pesci because he just <laughs> he just couldn't handle Scorsese's.
0: <laughs> just picturing now just like a fucking <laughs> vulgar Sharon Stone Steven Root sex scene. Oh my
1: god. <laughs>
0: <laughs> my god, what a great movie. Uh, not to compare Casino to I'll Buffy like the Buffy. Vampire. No, I, I like Buffy, but yeah, I, I wouldn't even put those in the same galaxy of filmmaking. Uh, I'm Inclined to see if I can get a really cheap Blu-ray of this movie, just because I do enjoy it in the same... I mean, I've said it on air here, and also talking to Julio... I think half the movies I own, I would say, yeah, it's a bad movie, but I like it. So It was cheap, and that's why I own it. There you go. There you go. Um, so, Buffy, the, obviously opening up our October uh, for Halloween, dipping our toe in the horror pool. Uh, our fucking vote for our gray area episode, number 70, which, again, this was episode, nice, 69. And,
1: Let uh, me give you up-to-the-minute uh, results, Alex.
0: We were It was looking pretty close there for a little bit, uh, but then Florida was decided and it changed the, <laughs> the course of what we were looking at.
1: So right now, uh, we have four days left, but that doesn't mean anything to you because by the time that you listen to this episode, <laughs> the results will be in, will be official. But
0: As of September 20th.
1: As of September 20th. Uh, with four days and two hours left and 240 votes, uh, it's pretty clear that, one, nobody wants us to do an episode on Wolf, the Jack Nicholson <laughs> 1994 werewolf movie, and uh, I don't think there's much interest in us tackling the, the origin of the Saw franchise and Saw from 2004, but- Maybe one day. Maybe one day. I mean, same thing, Wolf will have its day at some point, we just won't let- Listeners decide. <laughs> we'll just give it We're to you. We're going to do this. Uh, but it's really between the mummy, the 1999 Brendan Fraser uh, vehicle, the mummy.
0: Now that's a vehicle.
1: That is a vehicle. Uh, and 2003's Freddy versus Jason. Uh, so right now, it's Wolf 12%, Saw 20%, uh, Freddy versus Jason 32%, and the mummy 36%. And we
0: got to do better people.
1: It's, it's been going back and forth between the mommy and Freddie. At some point they were like 35, 35 each. Mm-hmm. Um, either way, we're going to have a good time. Oh yeah. Uh, I think that uh, it'll, it'll be fun. Uh, uh, but
0: that'll be our uh, October 15th episode. And then we'll have our bonus uh, Halloween four and five combo or commentary track at the end of the month, um, which makes me excited because I love horror movies. Um,
1: yeah, the, well, it's commentary track for Halloween 5. Correct. We're Real, watching 4 as a warm-up.
0: Yeah, to give Julio what little context we can heading into Halloween 5, uh, which I think I've said on air, Halloween 4 is the second best one as of right now until <laughs> next month when the uh, the remake comes out, and we'll
1: critique that when accordingly. Danny, when Danny McBride just brings his vision to the it's Halloween franchise. It's already
0: got a standing on Rotten Tomatoes. It's like at 83%, I think. Because it premiered at some film festival, the main critique I've heard is the dialogue's bad. But Jamie Lee Curtis is supposed to be like amazing in it. So, but yes, as of right now, Halloween Four is the best sequel to any of the Halloween movies.
1: Uh, let's because you're not counting the Rob Zombie Halloweens; they're, they're like their own franchise.
0: Dude, you want to talk about uh, the polar opposite of your experience with Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? <laughs> Enjoying Rob Zombie's first Halloween when I watched it when it came out, and then last year rewatching it, be like uh tom haverford when he finally smokes a cigar in parks and Rec, just i do not like this that's pretty much my feeling on the subject uh closing down episode 69 nice (laughs) we've got our plugs uh as always festive years providing our opening closing tracks uh summer of 99 takes us out opens us up always his last stand their album don't let me use you
1: Our friend Hans Roth Gieser from the Nacion Combi podcast, he did our logo. He can do your logo as well. You can just uh, contact him on Twitter at Mildemonios. That's M-I-L-D-E-M-O-N-I-O-S. Or you can email him. Uh, It's Mildemonios at Hotmail.com. And you can listen to his podcast, Nacion Combi. It's in Spanish. But you should learn Spanish. God bless. That's the way the world is going.
0: It is. For better.
1: Bilingualism. Yes. Are you doing plugs?
0: Uh, I have a few brief plugs. Uh, right.
1: I have I have two two solid plugs.
0: I've just been playing a lot of that zombies game I plugged last time. That's like <laughs> consumed my being. That's what I think about a lot at work. So that and then. I
1: love it. It's, it's that stage of the relationship with the video game. <laughs> You're in the honeymoon phase. Yes.
0: I, I don't. It's. I just think about it. I'll be at work, and then like I'll be working, and then my mind will just Be like, ooh, I wonder if I do this, if it will do
1: this. It's funny because you know, much like relationships with significant others. It's, it's not the same with every video game, mm-hmm. right? So I a couple months ago, it was right like when I was in the in the midst of all the wedding, like the run up to the wedding, I I bought the Star Wars Lego collection, mm-hmm. which is like I guess all six movies or all nine movies maybe, uh, Lego version, and I'm like this sounds like fun, and for about two solid days I was like all into that game, <laughs> and all it took was uh me having to there was something maybe i even like had to come record with you or something and i and i didn't have like a save point and i'd been playing like for about i'd done about like an hour and a half of progress that Mm -hmm. hadn't been saved and i was like i guess i'm not saving this (laughs) i haven't gone back to that game because i was like i'm not doing that again
0: uh yeah that's you know replaying it when it takes that big of a commitment you know it's
1: yeah and it's like it's fun when you're doing it but then it's the opposite of like i i keep thinking at work you know i want to go back and play that i'm thinking of like man if i go back i have to play that again so eh. uh
0: and then secondly just uh anyone that follows me on twitter knows me at all knows i'm a big combat sports fan Uh, Gennady Golovkin and Canelo Alvarez had their rematch on Saturday night and it was just incredible my guy didn't win Uh, it was a super close fight but like how good the fight was there was absolutely no way I could be mad or remorseful about spending money on it I honestly uh, they're rare people like I have no idea how I could know in my mind that I'm going to close in on 10 million dollars at the end of the night but still be like fighting from my life, like swinging tooth and nail and like going at it. And, you know, boxing, uh, saying that those analogies you use, and, you know, painting a picture with words, you would think of just like, um, disorganized bar brawl or some shit like that. But it was just, it was boxing at its finest. Got, got me goddamn emotional at the end of the fight. Just like all they gave it's, there's nothing like it. Did it you watch like it here? A, yeah. Yeah. I watched it in the living room with my dad and we were both on our feet by the end of it. It was good stuff. So, if you get a chance seek that fight out. That's that's my plugs for this week. I'll I'll, I'll wait for the
1: Criterion. <laughs>
0: Just boxing.
1: <laughs> 20 hours of special features.
0: <laughs> the book with the forward by fuck I don't know. Uh, our contra- our fourth contrarian.
1: <laughs> Ken Hankey. Yes, there we go. Forward by Ken Hankey featuring an essay
0: <laughs> by Ken Hankey. By Ken Hankey all right Julia, what you got for us uh so
1: i got two two podcasts that i've i've been listening to that are a lot of fun uh first off and this is okay so we'll start with netflix and swill which is part of the just this growing community of twitter podcasts that i'm i guess part of um, that I've been interacting with it so it's basically a podcast about Netflix releases Netflix which is super useful if you're someone like me probably someone like you too because you do a lot of Netflix mm-hmm. uh, there's more than Ozark on Netflix and I'm sure you're aware of that
0: I honestly didn't know there was anything more than Ozark in the office <laughs> uh Kimmy Schmidt
1: but yeah it's I find the amount of I love Netflix but the amount of stuff that they put out I can't keep up with it right and That's I'm That's exactly
0: what Reed was here we were talking about the other day he just said like there's just too much content. Right.
1: And it was, it was already a problem, a problem, you know, when it was just, man, I don't know what they have Mm -hmm. that I want to watch. And I don't know how much longer they're going to have it and all that stuff. And, and then, you know, they started adding the, the original productions. Yeah. And it's like, I have no idea. I don't know. Is this good? Is this bad? How much of a commitment do I give it? You know, back in the good old days, when it was just like house of cards and the one about the werewolves, (laughs) then that was easy. Uh, but, so this is, you know, these guys just talk about what's new. They they talk about the trailers. They talk about, you know, stuff that's leaving. When is it leaving? Stuff that's coming on. When is it coming on? And all the all the original stuff. And then they do reviews of stuff that they watch. It's all Netflix centric, and it was it's just refreshing. And like I guess it's just very useful for someone like me. I there's a new uh, show from the guy that from the Simpsons guy from Matt Groening. Yeah. And uh, I had no idea that that even existed.
0: I'm blanking on what the name of it is. Uh,
1: It is Disenchantment. Yes. And I watched, I started watching it uh, because I heard about it on the show Mm. and it sounded interesting. And uh, so I gave it a few episodes. I will come back and finish it at some point. Mm I was just like, you know, but I I tasted it because of them. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't have even tried it. Uh, It's just like this fantasy comedy kind of thing. So it's fun. Uh, Now, there's an extra meta level enjoyment for me and maybe for you too if you listen to it because one of the hosts sounds like brandon curtis amazing yes uh i played bits of the episode to uh to eddie and our other friend hadley hadley didn't really feel it Mm -hmm. eddie kind of like smiled i don't know if he was like really just indulging me or if he really (laughs) thought that he sounded like brandon curtis but he sounds – not just Brandon Curtis, but Brandon Curtis when he's, like, passionate and ranting about something. Excellent. So, you know, this guy was reviewing the latest – Pete Curtis. Yeah, Pete Curtis. Curtis at, at, at his best. Um, this guy was reviewing uh, the new Kristen Bell movie that's on Netflix with Kelsey Grammer, and he was just kind of, like, getting really passionate about it, and and it was just, like, hearing Brandon Curtis. And I was like, I I hear Brandon Curtis plenty. I work with him, but still, to just hear him, like, talking about something else – in a a professional manner it's it's just an extra level of amusing but uh anyway um i actually have their promo so we will put it at the end of the episode maybe we'll put it right now hello we're from netflix and swill podcast let me review netflix shows for you please it would mean so much to me if you let me review netflix for you somebody's gotta review them why can't it be me come on let the boy review netflix shows for you hi hello are you good Uh, good let me drink crappy alcohol and make jokes for you I'm already going to be reviewing Netflix for you. Just say yes to me for drinking crappy alcohol. Honestly and sincerely, I'd like to make jokes for you to laugh at. He's a good, hard-working boy. Let him drink some beer and make jokes. Please don't make me watch the one-star movies. He's a nice boy! Watch your own damn shitty movies! For God's sake! Download Netflix and Swill, please. I'll put all our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and Podbean. Please download our episodes. I already started watching the one-star movies. If you didn't want to listen to our show, why'd you let me watch the one-star movies? Can we stop this cruel game and
0: allow the boy to keep one shred of dignity? For God's sake, I can't stand to see him in all this pain. So just listen to Netflix and swill. For the love of God, let the boy review Netflix for you.
1: So, the other podcast is this really fun uh, show called The Recasting Couch Movie Podcast. And as you might expect, what they do is they pick a movie and they they recap it and as they recap it, they recast it. Okay. And uh now these guys, they're like obviously you can tell, you know, everybody has different passions in, within the film industry. And so these guys are very much into casting. I mean it's not like as if you and I were started casting people. Like these guys know all the like B players, the C okay. players, D players. They they pay attention to who the casting director was and and all this stuff, so it's it's really cool you're like i don't know if they're like in the biz, mm-hmm. but they're definitely that's that's very clearly their their area right on. and uh and it's funny because they did get shorty that's how excellent uh one of the most recent episodes was Get shorty, and I was like, oh man, we just did that movie, and so we started talking and uh I guess they welcome suggestions, you know, when they're doing the recasting. So they asked me what mine would be. And uh, so I'm not going to tell you who they they cast on their uh, on the recast of Get Shorty. For that, you need to listen to their episode. I, I suggested, I was like, okay, so here, I, I have listened to your episode, and that's cool. And we just literally, that was after we'd recorded for Donnie Brasco. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, you know, if I had to recast it, I just, I kind of feel like having a Donnie Brasco reunion. <laughs> so... Uh how about Johnny Depp as Chili okay. and Al Pacino as Dennis Farina as as Bones. Right? Like I could see it working. Oh yeah. Uh and I think I had I had Don Cheadle as uh The Roy Lindo.
0: Okay.
1: I had John Cena as Gandolfini, You Excellent. know the muscle, right? <laughs> and he can do comedy. Uh I wanna say I think I had Kevin Smith as Gene Hackman. Movie director. You know, a different take, definitely. Yeah. But but he could do, give it that. And that's because Not I... recast. No. <laughs> I recast Karen, my favorite, Rene Russo. I went with somebody Hispanic because she's Karen Flores. And she doesn't look like a Flores, mm-hmm. right? So I gave it to Salma Hayek.
0: Nice.
1: And it was like, you can see Salma Hayek and Kevin Smith having that chemistry. I suppose. So, you know, and I think that's all the main players. But they cast everybody. Anybody that has, like even a small part, they'll cast it. Like basically when they exit yeah. the movie, that's when they cast them. It's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, and they did, you know, they looked and they're like, Oh, what else? And they looked through our thing. And I was like, Oh man, uh, we also did face off on phenomenon. So I listened to the phenomenon and face off episodes. And it was funny because I listened to phenomenon first. So they love get shorty. I mm-hmm. listened to phenomenon and they really like phenomenon. And I feel bad. And I was like, man, cause they were so excited about it. And they were just so positive. <laughs> and I'm like, we were kind of dicks about that movie. Uh, and then I listened to their Face Off episode, and they really – I don't think that they did Facebook justice as far as, like, how awesome it is. They were just more like, man, we can't believe that this shit is like has a higher Rotten Tomato score than Phenomenon. And I was yeah, like, rightly awesome. so. I yeah. mean, Rotten Tomato sucks, but yeah. it's, it's such a much better movie. But I learned that the guy that plays Jenna Gershon's brother mm-hmm. – is Nick Cassavetes, which I kind of knew, but I didn't connect the dots. It's the same Nick Cassavetes that directed The Notebook. Oh, wow. Yeah. How crazy is that?
0: Small world.
1: <laughs> yeah. So he made the transition successfully. <laughs> it worked out for him, man. Yeah. So uh, I don't have a promo for them, but, yeah, you can just do a search for the recasting couch, and, yeah, they'll show up there.
0: Excellent. All right. Well, that was a hoot and a half. We'll figure out where we're going to be. Uh by this point I hope we had a few more votes for Freddy versus Jason, but we'll see.
1: <laughs> It'll be one or the other. Yes. I at this point I don't see how Wolf or uh saw can just somehow this
0: massive come from behind victory.
1: You get all the all the all the votes from like outside the country.
0: <laughs> when they come in they just start flooding in. Yeah. We'll get to the
1: Saul. Peruvian vote will be decisive. <laughs>
0: All right, y'all. Well, as always, we appreciate your listen. Uh, but for episode 69, that's going to do it for us here on The Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong, and we'll catch you next time.
1: in the car, I'll grab the keys.
0: Let's go make this summer one that's full of memories. You won't regret it. I know a place outside of town. I think you'll really love it. At night when no one is around, we'll drive into the sunset. Promise me. I don't know why I remember this so vividly, but one day in college when I lived by myself, uh, I had like HBO and Showtime and all those channels, and I was like hungover one day, and uh, just a casino was on, so it was on in the background. And like I'm on the couch, and as I'm waking up and my eyes are kind of opening, it's just that really close up shot of Joe Pesci just giving it to Sharon Stone. And then, so like, it was just a horrifying wake up. Basically, seeing Joe Pesci's vinegar strokes waking up in the morning.
1: Does he? I know that she goes down on him more than once in the movie. He actually has sex with her.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, oral sex. It's not like him. It's not fucking um,
1: (laughs) righteous kill. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah.
0: (laughs) sweaty artsy De Niro just giving it. No, but it's like this (laughs) close-up shot of them, like kind of face to face or head to head, rather, and it's yeah, it's startling.
1: Yeah, I mean not to go too too far off the rails but the 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 pesci sharon stone sex relationship subplot in casino is one of the most unsettling ones and that's a movie that has a lot of unsettling things and there's a lot of brutality and corruption but there was just something that really like pushed my buttons about seeing pesci just
0: it has a lot to do with their characters and that with like pesci how like
1: He's betraying his friend?
0: Well, that, I mean, just, like, their general characteristics, like how much of a fucking scary, like, mini little badass he is. Right. Uh, and, and not mini, that was rude. But, you know, just, like... <laughs>
1: he knows. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and then also Sharon Stone, her whole, like, you know, drugged up fucking psychotic, uh, vindictive... It it does... that. Okay, It's quick sidebar. That's my favorite Scorsese movie, and that's one of the reasons, because, like... It does... It's not even manipulating its audience. It's just doing its job so well of, like... Right. You buying it's, into it and being like...
1: Ew. Right. It's really gross because... <laughs> nothing to do with Buffy, but... It's just so gross because he is... You know, there's, like, so many betrayals going on and so much manipulation. Because she is... I think the first time that, that they hook up, she's really drunk. Mm-hmm. So, on one level, it's like... This guy is taking advantage of his friend's wife, you know, while she's drunk. Yeah. But then there's also, like, this woman is manipulating her husband's friend mm-hmm. you know, by using sex. Uh it's the whole thing it's just
0: De, N- De Niro just literally drags her out of the house. <laughs> <laughs>